and thank you for the download. It's Friday, March 27th, or Saturday, March 28th, depending on how lazy I am, and this is episode 19 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the Salt Masaki. What's up, Josh? <coughs> Sorry, got a little bit of a dry cough going. <laughs> and Skipper Ben, how's it going, Ben? Uh, did I get the memo? I'm going to go by Ben Exotic from now on. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> Sounds very much like a stripper, but okay. Uh, am I the only one that's watching Tiger King on Netflix? Come I on. literally learned about it about half an hour before we started recording. So Okay, okay. I learned okay. it about you'll, three seconds ago. You'll, you'll understand more later, but yeah, Ben Exotic. Now, good timing on this, too, because we're going to be predominantly talking about the Jungle Cruise uh, this episode. And uh, actually, for people that didn't know where Ben got his skipper uh, name, Ben was a former skipper of the Jungle Cruise, and not, as I had originally thought, Barbie's best friend. I so, was? Yes, yes. So, uh, even though you're now Exotic Ben or Ben Exotic, whatever your stripper name is. um, (laughs) Zookeeper name. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, So, yes, the gist of this show will be a Jungle Cruise discussion, as those of us that follow uh, Facebook, um, or us on Facebook, can can see. But uh, we've got to kind of talk about the elephant in the room, or the bat in the room, as it would be. Um, Coronavirus is... You can talk about them. They have their trunks on. (laughs) Uh, Coronavirus is affecting all of us uh, in a variety of different ways, Um, but we are a Disney World-focused podcast. They are closed through at least April 9th as of the time of this recording. Uh, I think, as we discussed before the show started, I'd say best-case scenario mid-May before they open up. But uh, I don't know what you guys are thinking. Ben, you've already lost one vacation. I suspect I will lose my June trip as well. Yeah, this is kind of like my Kenny Rogers moment because uh, last episode I talked about <laughs> my Josh. trip and then I canceled <laughs> the way Josh talked about Kenny Rogers and then he died. That so. was really unfortunate. And by the way, I made that comment prior to his death and I feel super <laughs> shitty about it just for yeah, the record. We, we recorded our episode before the uh, extended cancellations. so I find uh, that he's it, now always on my mind. <laughs> I get it. That's a song, right? Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, I'm going through – it hasn't really hit me super hard yet, but I'm sure uh, a week from tomorrow when I was supposed to be uh, landing out there and uh, enjoying my first night and then a week from uh, Saturday when I was supposed to be uh, getting up at 4 a.m. to go get my Rise of the Resistance boarding group, uh, it's going to hit me even harder. Yes, one one trip is canceled completely, and uh, we have another – a family trip booked for the uh, July 15th, uh, about 10 days out there. This is the big one we do every three years with my sisters and my parents. And yes, every day watching the news, trying to see uh, if it'll even be open and operating by then. And if it is, do we even want to uh, do it? So the, the, yeah. my family's DVC members. I've talked about it before. We've uh, we've been DVC members since like 1995, 96, somewhere in there. And uh, so we booked this all with points. We actually banked points from last year, borrowed points from next year. Uh, and since that time period hasn't actually been canceled yet, we don't know how DVC is going to uh, allow us to maneuver those points around if we decide to push our trip back a year. Uh, otherwise, if they don't, we're, we're going to have to go because DVC yeah. has a pretty strict use it or lose it policy. So I'm hoping in these situations they'll uh, be lenient with uh, things that happen. Uh, we haven't called yet because our trip's obviously down the line and I'm sure they're getting flooded with stuff that's uh, more relevant right now uh, with, with vacations that are booked. But uh, it's interesting to see exactly what we're going to do. Hopefully we'll, we'll get to go and uh, get to do everything. But I think part of us is starting to settle in that it might not be until the fall and it might not be till next summer. Is having to delay a July 15th trip to the fall really the worst thing? 
I mean, July. I'm pretty sure dying is the awful. worst thing. So, <laughs> fair point. Well, my with my work schedule, yes, because That's if fair. I get to go in July, things are always a lot easier. Uh, I work in professional sports, which fall is always hectic. That and is actually some, Tom Brady. I am. He's Tom actually Brady. a professional curler. Are you? Hey, we never talked about Tim. You doing okay, buddy? <laughs> I'm okay. Everything fine, man. <laughs> Sure sucks a, for uh, New England sports fans. Sorry, guys. I have a bet with my uncle in Tampa who has bought a bunch of Tampa Bay Bucks uh, get-ups. Um, uh, we have a dinner bet. That's kind of my standard bet for things uh, you might have noticed. So we have a dinner bet, Pat's record versus uh, Bucks record. I heard that Derek called him and said that he doesn't have to pay it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, well, at least you have an all-star pitcher that you paid uh, uh, max contract money to that, that – is going to lead the Red Sox for the next few. Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. So I don't know anything about sports, but just out of curiosity, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. What would be the worst team that Brady could go to for you? Uh, I mean, maybe the Niners, just because. Uh, but there, there really isn't the sixty Niners. I mean, <laughs> is that a team? <laughs> it, it would be in the in the division. So uh, probably the Bills now at this point, I guess. But yeah, doesn't matter. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> Nobody feels bad for Boston sports fans because not at all. Uh, yes, it's been a sh- it's been a shitty three months, but um, yeah, nobody feels bad for us. Nope. I know that Good I talk. don't. <laughs> Back to Corona. <laughs> Dis- yes. Cor- Speaking of coronavirus, uh, construction has also stopped throughout Walt Disney World. Uh, I wonder if that has even extended to the tech support for um, Rise of the Resistance. Uh, I got to imagine that it's pretty bare bones there right now that even um, I think you're looking at security and probably not much else. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Matt Sansua, you can get in there and uh, get arrested well, again. I, oh, but sure you're not encouraging they, it. I want to make sure that uh, you're not. That you don't, I don't want you to have any criminal culpability here. I just want to watch the kid get arrested. That's really what I'm looking for. OK, I think technically that's OK. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do wonder with some things like that, though, like, uh, I'm not sure what the rules technically are in Florida, but like uh, SoFi Stadium in L.A., the new uh, football stadium for the Rams and Chargers, they have had clearance to uh, continue construction out there uh, because that stadium is dependent to be open for the start of football season in the fall. So I know we've seen everything kind of come to a halt, and there's been reports that California Adventure and and the Marvel Campus has stopped construction, but as far as, like, you know, they're – I wonder if there is some workaround because this does seem like the perfect time to go in there and, and do some tweaks that might be needed to rise to the resistance. Uh, maybe you can go fix the Yeti, right? My, my personal opinion is that the the overwhelming majority of the quote unquote legal action that's been taken to sequester people has actually been uh, is not constitutional, has no teeth. But that's not a conversation for this show. <laughs> but uh, my opinion is if Disney wanted to do that, they certainly could. I think that people should voluntarily stay away from each other in order to prevent the spread of this thing. But uh, you've been promoting that well before coronavirus was a thing. Well, certainly, I don't think that it should be the government saying you have to close your business down and you can't maintain your property. Um, I don't. I mean, for example, you as a property owner have the right to go out and maintain your property right now. That's undisputed. Uh, So even under the color of law that they're claiming that exists, I don't think that Disney would be prohibited from. Uh, making improvements on their own property. So, and you know, I don't want to get into an argument, a discussion about constitutional law here, but I think most of this is bullshit. It would be Stay away from each other. People. Wash your hands. Don't be an asshole. Uh, but also, <laughs> don't just uh, waive your civil liberties because you're afraid of getting a goddamn cold. Have they Thank had any much. positive cases on Batu though? I don't think I've seen anything on. <laughs> it is not. Uh, they're the clear so far. Yeah. Okay, so I get that work. <laughs> 
Um, why don't we uh, why don't we get into the crux of uh, the, of the topics here, which is uh, See you the Jungle later, guys. Cruise. <laughs> this is going to be a a Ben heavy show. Uh, ben has put on his COVID nineteen, I believe, is what you refer to it as here. Although actually, you said you were down, right? I'm down about six, nearly six pounds. Hey, good so, on yeah. you. So ben Josh lost and six pounds, and I, yeah. yeah, Ben lost him, and I found him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ben, as a former Jungle Cruise skipper, we put a call. I, I have to admit, I have to admit something real quick. Okay. I I never worked at the Jungle Cruise. This has all been a sham for the last <laughs> twenty years. It's been a joke. I never did it. I never worked there. Gary, How are your improv chops. <laughs> your, your slot just opened up again. <laughs> <laughs> I do always find it funny. Well, I. I you know, you, you do the whole thing about you, you're not supposed to give yourself your own nickname, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm 100% guilty of that because when I pitched my idea of cruising the world to Ricky back in the day on Inside the Magic, I was like, you know, do it as Skipper Ben, cruising the world, talk about my time on the Jungle Cruise. Uh, I worked far longer at Muppet Vision than I ever did the Jungle Cruise. Uh, I mean, yet. For, for the record, Tim gave you a nickname too, but Shithead Ben just never really caught on. So. <laughs> it hasn't yet. Hashtag Shithead Ben. Uh, I tried to give myself the nickname The Count of Monte Cristos, but that didn't stick either. So. <laughs> yes, it uh, did. <laughs> Uh, so no, I mean, I, I love my time at the jungle cruise and everything I did there, but, uh, and I think this is, I've actually been looking forward to this show a lot to, to go into this stuff. Me but, too. uh, if this works, I actually would love to take a deep dive into uh, Muppet vision, uh, you know, one of these days as well, which I know, I know what I'm talking about on the jungle cruise side, but I know my, uh, Muppet vision, like the back of my hand. So, uh, we'll see how this goes. Very, very well. Especially on self quarantine. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, <laughs> Ben, you have... What's the best part of being alone for five days? (laughs) The sex. (laughs) Uh, Ben, you have a Jungle Cruise script, and one of the things we discussed you doing was kind of going through some of the jokes that sucked, some of the jokes that you liked, uh, what your version of the spiel was. Uh, Do you want to start there, or do you want to start with some of our listener questions? Uh... Yeah, we uh, I might we might start with the list of questions. I'd like to see where that goes, and then we can always wrap up with the uh, with the script side. I actually sure. was very excited about this because uh, when you guys first you asked me to be on the show, uh, <laughs> uh, when you guys first asked me to be on the show, this was a topic, an idea that that uh, we discussed doing, and I was like, I got a script around here somewhere that uh, that we can work off, and. I remember for weeks searching for this thing. I did find my uh, Muppet Vision script, but I could not find my Jungle Cruise one to save my life. Went through the attic, went through every box. And then, what, like after recording two episodes back, I just mm-hmm. went to my closet that is literally three feet from me right now and <laughs> found there a it folder. Was. It was just sitting there in a folder. And so it's not just the script, it's actually my training folder that I had from um, my traditions class. Uh, and inside of it has my script, it has my uh, one sheet on my training schedule. Uh, my first day of training in the Jungle Cruise was six five ninety nine. By the way, uh, at seven thirty in the morning each morning, and my trainer was a guy named Jerome Cox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I'm, you're so I'm, immature. <laughs> That's this is true. <laughs> waiting for Josh on that one. So yeah, and part of this is this, you know, the script. That was issued, uh, it was released December 11th, 1991, and issued uh, September 7th, 1998, so maybe it was just a old copy laying around that was given to me uh, the following summer, but that's that's the version of the uh, script that I have, and it also has the rundown of just some of the topics about the attraction, some of the general information that they wanted skippers to know before uh, you know going out there in front of the, in front of the guests. So how often would you say, and I know you were only there a few summers, 
uh, did that script evolve? <sighs> That's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure how often this evolved. There is no markings inside the script that's, that would reference like an updated joke uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was added to it. And yeah, every page had, <laughs> let's see. Are they I'm, in I'm blue going... so they can't be photocopied? Uh, nope. Nice and white. And uh... that's a drop. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, so now I'm not sure on the updates on there. It doesn't actually look into it, have any references to updates. There are some various dates at the bottom of certain pages, 95, 96. So that could reference. Those are some, years. They are years, but it doesn't <laughs> reference. There's no, uh, that checks there, out. there's no index saying what on that page might've been updated gotcha. during those years. So it's kind of hard to say when things were done. Uh, and, and honestly, from my time working there, uh, there's actually a really good book, a uh, couple books out there by David Marley called Skipper Stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that relates more to uh, – both books are actually about the California version of the attraction. and uh, But there, there, a lot of the stuff kind of runs similar to what we experience out in Florida. Uh, but one thing that he referenced in there uh, throughout the years was the ability to have skippers – if they came up with a joke to uh, give it into management, it could be considered to be added to the to the uh, script. And there's also some stories in there about Imagineering coming in with skippers at certain times and taking like a two weeks and bringing those skippers in and finding ways to freshen up the script. I can tell you during my time there, that was never offered. Uh, mm-hmm. We were never said, hey, if you come up with a joke, uh, submit it and we'll consider adding it. Uh, the only thing that we had was this original script that we stuck by, you know, pretty close to as you first started. And then you would hear other <laughs> skippers doing jokes. Uh, and at that point, you would just decide to add those uh, off script jokes to your script or not and, yep. and go with it until you got caught. So, oh, yeah, I was going to uh, say, so that's that's the obvious question there is during your tenure, did you ever know of anyone or you yourself? Did, did anyone get in trouble for going too far in terms of deviating from what was officially, uh, you know, sanctioned? I never had anybody that was specifically uh, written up for doing that. Uh, I did. And again, I never had a situation where I saw a manager at any point, like listening to those scripts. You'd always hear like managers would uh, hide off to the side of Schweitzer Falls Mm -hmm. and be listening for jokes there. They would be listening as you exited the temple uh, because uh, sometimes skippers would be doing jokes within the temple, which it was very specific not to do any talking within there. Or they would do stuff as they exit. I don't know. That's just the way that was written in there. You're supposed to say a joke as you enter, and that's your quiet time uh, until you get to the other end. And honestly, uh, if if you're putting a lot into your rides mm-hmm. and putting a lot of effort into it, and I tried to do, I it, we'll get into this in a little bit. You know, I think everybody was influenced by different comedians, and that sure. was the way they would do their routines. And some of us would have multiple comedians that would. Uh, uh, play a factor in the way that we deliver our spiel. And so if you were very active in, in your was delivery, Sam Kennison all the way. I, <laughs> I wasn't, but there certainly were. Uh, I was, uh, we'll get into this a little bit. Uh, Did anyone do but, a Mitch Hedberg? Uh, not Mitch I've Hedberg. I've seen somebody do I, a Mitch Hedberg version uh, of the Jungle Cruise. Well, <laughs> I my pay fav- extra for that. My favorite comedian growing up and Mitch Hedberg was influenced by him was Stephen Wright. So, okay. yeah. uh, and, and I have one recording of myself doing the Jungle Cruise, and I kind of consider this my Stephen Wright version where everything is kind of dry and simple uh, throughout it. So, uh, but a lot of people use, especially myself, as we entered the temple, that was kind of your rest. That was sure. your 45 seconds to rest and then deliver a good finish of the, uh, of the ride. So, 
It makes sense, but I don't have to like it. I mean, you're there no, for my no. entertainment. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> <laughs> True. Get another drop. <laughs> um, actually, I may have the audio of the clip of the guy that also sounded like Mitch Hedberg, but uh, we are going to end this show, I believe. Uh, ben, you said you had the audio still, right? I do, I do. Um, we're going to end this show with... Uh, Ben Spieling. Um, so instead of our normal effing up the uh, the intro or outro, uh, it'll be Ben Spieling to end this show. Hey, we'll, I have we'll one more question for Ben. As well. So you didn't see anyone get in trouble for doing anything that was off the script. Did you ever, are you aware of any complaints that came in for jokes that actually were on the script? No. Do you no. think that that's different now that the world is like hypersensitive about everything and absolutely no fun whatsoever and horrible? Well, the... the <laughs> The first time it really stuck out to me actually was the the tragedy that had with the uh, young man out in front of the Grand uh, Grand Floridian with the alligator, and yeah. then the jokes about young man. I think he was two. I think that might be stretching that. <laughs> you know, young man, uh, <laughs> uh, sir. And, and the uh, the the sensitivity around the jokes with Old Smiley and uh, Ginger. Uh, so and those being removed. That's the really the first time that only time I remember of jokes at that point that were you know supposed to be in the script that you were supposed to deliver being pulled for sensitivity right. reasons. Do you think that was the right call? For a brief period of time, I'd say. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Did and they ever I go did, back in? I yep, believe they're so. Back yeah. in, they're yeah. back okay. in. Okay. Yep. That um, seems reasonable to me. I'm just curious. I'm just curious what you guys thought. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have any issues with that for the, for, you know, that time period around that. One of the things I'm sure you've been asked a bunch, and I don't think we had a, a listener specifically ask it. Um, what are some of the common jokes that people hear that aren't actually scripted or like that might get you in trouble? Yeah, good answer. Good question. Uh, so a lot of it had to do, uh, really at load and unload. Okay. Which where you would see stuff about waving to guests on the docks, and you know, you, you, there were some in there about you know you'll never see them again. But the the times that they were. Uh, Twisted up to reference other things in the Disney park. That's never been a part of the script. Uh, okay. So I, I would deliver stuff uh, like, you know, as we're heading in for unload, I would say stuff, you know, if you want to, I'm trying to think off my head. Uh, remember, I did this back in the summer of 2000. So if things get a little uh, rusty. Is it the one like, now. if you liked it, I'm Skipper Ben. If you didn't like it, this was, you know, name your shitty attraction. Well, if you name the shitty attraction, yes. But there is a version of the joke in there, I believe, that referenced just saying a different person's name. Oh, okay. But it, as opposed to saying, I'm Bob and this has been Pirates of the Caribbean, that was not a, uh, a a joke that was allowed. I would also do things like, you know, the Fantasy in the Sky fireworks tonight is at 9 o'clock. If you plan on catching any of those fireworks, please wear gloves because those things get really, really hot. That's not mm -hmm. in the script. Uh, <laughs> would you get in trouble rebel. for a joke like that, though? If you were heard, yes, yes, you'd really? be you'd be told and you'd be written up, and not, and that's kind of the funny part is those jokes were said a lot on the dock where management would be around you. Yeah. Now the thing is, no skipper is going to turn you in for right. a joke. No skipper, even the coordinators that were that work at the uh, dock who are supposed to be in charge of things when the manager's on around, they're never going to turn you in. They might say, "Hey, be careful," or they'll say, "So and so's around." Uh, when referring to a manager or a, a coordinator, Karen's going to turn you in. That's what's going to happen. Right. It's always Karen. Right. So <laughs> Karen, Karen. Damn, the interesting. Skipper. So, as a normal cast member, that's not a, you know giving a spiel on a ride. You have some latitude to speak to guests, right? Obviously, you can't be rude to them or or do yep. poor customer service, but it's interesting that. 
to some degree, the, the what you're allowed to say is constrained when you're in that role, even though even if what you're saying is perfectly permissible in any other context, it's it's not there, which is weird to me mm-hmm. uh, in the context of a situation where you're asking a person to be an entertainer. Is that mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a person on Main Street who's directing foot traffic isn't specifically uh, in a position where they're supposed to be entertaining people. Yet you are, and the person who's just supposed to be making sure that people are going in the right direction has more latitude to speak than you do, which is, I but don't those, know, it just strikes those, me weird. Those people will be getting written up more. Uh, th- those are the people that are more likely to get a complaint at City Hall if they, if they address a guest a certain way that the guest doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's way different than saying a joke that maybe somebody didn't appreciate or off script or something like that. But if if a I've seen it time and time again, somebody trying to do crowd control for a parade and mm-hmm. he's and, and a cast member gets a little snippy. That's when the issue that's when the ha- uh, and, and really a cast member is just doing their job. And a lot of time it's for safety reasons. Sure. And they don't want to hear that. Those those are the times that the uh, the guest is going to go to City Hall and, and bitch and complain about that cast member. I almost got murdered in the parking lot of Six Flags when I didn't go to City Hall to complain. I can't imagine actually being at Disney and having a, a even a quasi polite person say something to me and feeling the need to complain. That is a that is well, a hell of a person to be, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that is kind of the buffer that a skipper has to get away with a few things. Now, while we're not encouraged to go off script, we're not supposed to at all. Just like you said, we are entertaining that guest, whereas somebody who's just standing on Main Street trying to do crowd control and and says something that somebody takes the wrong way, a guest looks at that kind of cast member as they're supposed to be nice to me all the time because I'm at Disney Mm -hmm. World. Nice, nice, nice. If I go complain that they're not being nice, it's not always to get that person in trouble. It's to get something free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. So Um, that's what they're trying to do. I think it's almost always that, I think. So is there anything in the script that – essentially allows you to I'll use the term pick on a, a guest like make the guest the butt of a joke uh, you want me to read right straight from the script for yeah, a second yeah, go for it all right so there is a section in here let me turn to it called making guest fun invo- of fat people well <laughs> kind of uh, guest involvement <clears throat> and it reads uh, you'll also notice that there are many sections in the spiel that involve the guest whether it's referring to a color that someone is wearing, mentioning their name that you saw on a hat, purse, or bracelet, or just making general reference to them, it adds that personal touch that makes people really feel a part of the experience. You're guess a involve- fat fucking disaster of a human. <laughs> hey, I'm <Bob>. right here. <laughs> guest oh, involvement nice is the touch. essence of a truly successful spiel. Okay. So, yes, you're not supposed to use them as the butt of a joke, but if you can incorporate them into a joke uh, or into a section of the ride... Uh, that's encouraged. One I always did is so stupid when we get to the gorilla camp. Yep. Uh, if if I saw somebody on load getting on my boat and they were wearing a lot of yellow, yep. I knew I, I knew I was doing this joke automatically. So we get over there and we I run through everything, get my jeep to turn over, and then as we're leaving that area, I'd, I'd yell at that person wearing yellow. I'd be, "Ma'am, in the yellow shirt, please don't make any sounds like a banana. They find that very appealing." Okay. Right. So you're you're calling them out. It's yep. a it's a pun, but not necessarily. I mean, people are going to be offended by everything, but for the most part, I assume you have you never had anybody get other than like a groan or a smile to it, but not actually offended, right? Correct. I only really did it in that section, and I would do it when the natives uh, were attacking. I would always do the uh, duck, 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 and I would duck down myself as well. 
And I I would find somebody who's not playing along and I'd point at them and I'd be like, sir, please don't worry about making a fool out of yourself. I'm taking care of that for you. Yeah, that's (laughs) a pretty common line. But that's that's really the only two times that I would intentionally uh, involve guests with my spiel. Yeah. The one that I've heard more frequently is on the Florida version. um, Can you tell – how do you know that it's an African elephant because we're in Africa? How do you know that it's an Indian elephant? Or uh, what type of elephant is that? Uh, Indian elephant, how do you know that? Because we're in India. No, we're in Cambodia. Pay attention. You know, things like that where you're calling out a specific person for not listening to you. Um, I don't know that that one – that sounds a little bit more, again, for something that has to be G-rated at all times, uh, a Uh, little bit – It doesn't have to be all the times. My uh, trainer, Jerome Cox. Yep. (laughs) Yes, Still funny. I get that. I get that giggle every time. <laughs> uh, he would do, and I saw him do it because he did it on. He was a very unique trainer. I'll put it that way. He showed so us was like his every. Boss, Laura chokes on Nick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, he, he would. He, he told us everything that we're not allowed to do, and then he would show us how to do it. So he was. <laughs> That's he, was awesome. he was pretty awesome. If you're and not going to be so, good, be good at it. I saw him on one of my training runs where we would sit at the front with guests on the boat and watch our trainer go through the spiel. And he would get around to the anaconda and he would go, the anaconda (laughs) is the second largest snake in the jungle. You want to know what the largest snake in the jungle is? Well, ma'am, talk to me after the tour is over. (laughs) That's a good joke. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it doesn't always have to be G-rated. There are ways to tell uh, R-rated jokes with them going over children's heads. Um, the other area where I see kind of the I feel like that actually I've got something for this. I just need a minute. Um, the other the other area where I see jokes that could potentially be questionable would be coming up to the uh, the zebra on the rocks. What are the what are the approved jokes there? And then uh, like what have you heard other people do that potentially would be uh, questionable or uh, subject to being written up? Well, the approved jokes are, you know, the references to the sleeping zebra mm-hmm. uh, and, and any kind of small jokes around there. I can see if I can thumb through here in a second to find uh, the approved ones for that section. But it, it was always supposed to be something about the zebra being asleep, not being attacked, not being eaten, anything like that. The okay. only ones that I really hear different now is when we get to that section. It, it's kind of a I don't really love them. But when they start doing uh, Lion King jokes, uh, referencing Simba and things like that in that area, just doesn't go with what the original, you know, idea of that joke, because uh, I would always do, you know, the, the, I would treat it very serious, actually. The, you know, the, 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 uh, I'm trying to think of it in my head, the exact way it would go. The, uh, uh, talking about how this was the first law of the jungle survival of the fittest. Mm Mm-hmm. And I always did that as my setup for around the corner with the totem pole because I would immediately go into – and that brings us to our second law of the jungle, survival of the fastest. Okay. And go into my jokes about the tribe not being faster – you know, being faster than the rhino and getting up the pole and going in there. So, And that was a, an approved script that was supposed to be your transition point from one to the other. When you start mixing in uh, Lion King references and Simba and things like that, it just doesn't make that flow work, to, in sure. my opinion, whatsoever. You've got to – get those jokes done and then quickly get into that next scene and try to get something funny out there as opposed to combining the two scenes together uh, like it was originally intended. If you've, I don't know if there's a master class uh, in, in that series yes, of things. Yes, I'll do a master on, uh, class. Uh, well, no, no, hear me out. <laughs> on like, on stand-up. That's basically stand-up 101, having proper transitions between things. So 
uh, yes, you can in theory pick and choose your jokes from a pool of you know ten different jokes per scene, but they still need to logically go together. Mm-hmm. So, Correct. And I feel like the, the end should always formula. refer back to the beginning too. That's like the, yeah. the way you want to end. It makes it seem like you had a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Although most uh, most most professional comedians will say uh, leave callbacks to the professionals, but anyway, hmm. um, <laughs> why don't we hit some listener questions? Because Josh and I have been uh, uh, hogging Ben to ourselves. Um, I this like first it. one, this first one comes to us from Paul Miller. What was it like working hey, on I the Jungle Cruise? <laughs> oh God, him! He's German. Uh, ben, what was it like working on the Jungle Cruise? Paul wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to uh, chastise Paul for the over-specificity of his questions. <laughs> his exact words were, what was it like working on the Jungle Cruise? You're welcome. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a real one. Sorry, Paul. Uh, uh, I, I don't hate that one. Okay, I'll go answer. for it then. I loved it. I mean, it was a dream job to the point that I nearly uh, quit my entire career uh, for working for Disney because my first summer I worked at Muppets, and that was not the job I wanted. I wanted Jungle Cruise right from the get-go. And even mm-hmm. at that point when I applied for the college program, I didn't really know how it worked. I, uh, when I did my first interview, uh, I walked in the room and as the recruiter puts her hand out to shake my hand, I just said, hold on a second. I want you to know my name's Ben and I have no problem getting in front of large groups of people and making a total fool of myself. And then we went into it. And so I was like, if I do something like that over the top, it might get them to, you know, it, get to the point that I want to, I want to spiel. I want to have mm-hmm. fun. And in that whole interview, I was like, Jungle Cruise, Jungle Cruise, Jungle Cruise. So I get out there that first summer and they're like, Muppets. I was like, that's not mm. Jungle Cruise. Uh, but I fell in love with it. Again, uh, Muppets was freaking fantastic. But at the end of that summer, they were doing recruiting, uh, they were they were doing applications to become, uh, for people to come become recruiters for the college program on the college campuses across the country. And they needed one in the Dallas Fort Worth area. That sounds like a great job. And well, and part of it was if you become a recruiter, one, we're not going to pay you shock, shock. That's Disney. (laughs) It's Uh, going downhill quick. Yeah. Yeah. But you would get the free tickets that would come across that they would give cast members throughout the, the year. But the other thing was if you did the recruiting and you wanted to come back and work another session on the college program, you got to pick where you wanted to work. I was like, all Good. right, I already know I'm going to do this again, uh, so this is perfect. I'll get to come back and do Jungle Cruise then. So I did the recruiting. I got the job. I recruited uh, you know, for the entire school year, traveled all over Texas to, for these did you uh, pick sessions. Anyone, did you recruit anyone that was not a smoking hot chick? <laughs> I can't answer that in this Me Too uh, time. But, uh, <laughs> so Hashtag hot recruit- chicks only. I did the recruiting, let them know, hey, I'm coming out for the summer session. Uh, They gave me the date to be there. I went out there. It was just like my first summer. I get there, and they're like, hey, great. Thanks uh, for being here. You're working uh, parking lot at the Magic Kingdom. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not. And like, no, you're you're working trams. I was like, I wanted a spieling attraction. Like, well, they spiel on the trams. I was like, shut up. And so I called the person that I worked recruiting for all summer. I was like, listen, they got me on the trams right now. You guys told me I got to pick where I wanted to go. I wanted Jungle Cruise. Uh, if they don't if they don't move me off trams, I'm booking a flight and going home right now. And she's mm-hmm. like, hold on. Hold on one second. Make a couple phone calls. I'll, I'll get you back. And I said at that point, I was like, e- either give me Jungle Cruise, give me Kilimanjaro Safaris, or give me the Great Movie Ride. I don't care, but I want one of those three or I'm out. And you know, it's a good thing because Tram Ben doesn't have a very good ring to it. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. Uh, uh, Yes, no, it doesn't. So uh, I did get a call back later and and within the the 
end of that day, I got put on Jungle Cruise and we got everything worked out. And that's that's how I got to go uh, do that. And and if it tells you anything, after that summer, I did the recruiting again. So I knew because I knew I was going to go back for another college program. And when I did that, I picked Muppets over Jungle Cruise. Interesting. So interesting. I know that you said that you had more um, like when you go back to Disney World, you visit with friends at the Muppets more than you ever would with Jungle Cruise because nobody's there anymore. Uh, the turnover at Jungle Cruise was amazing. Uh, yeah. Even the next summer, I knew no Jungle Skippers. Uh, and, and part of the reason they didn't have a position for me when I first got there my second summer was uh, Jungle Cruise in the fall was going to go, in, go through a uh, refurb. And uh, they didn't want to hire a massive amount of people over the summer, get them trained up only for them to have no job come fall. So sure. that's that was the main reason I was not put there, but I didn't care. That's That's not my problem. Uh, so I bitched enough to get that, to get that change. But yes, I didn't going back the next summer and, and going back year after year after year, I, I have no connection to anybody that works the jungle cruise. You get there now and it's full of college kids. It's a very young crowd. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough attraction, especially during the summer The the high seniority people do not want to be out in that heat all day long. They don't want a break room that's out in the heat. Like I've talked about before when we get into a little bit, they want to be at a, something like a, uh, like at Muppets where yes, I have a friend, her name's Tony that I sneak up on. It's, it's actually a ritual. Every trip I have to sneak up behind her when she's at greeter at Muppets. And I ask the most obscure, stupid guest question I could possibly think of. And I ask it over her shoulder so she doesn't see who it's coming from, just to, so I could s- slowly see her turn around with the disgust in her face of having to answer it. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? She's- Show your work. Give us an example. Sh- yeah. Oh, geez. And not the three o'clock uh, braid one. That's cliche. <laughs> no. Uh, during, I, every time uh, over the last couple of years with Star Wars construction going on, it would be something about uh, – Do you like gladiator movies? <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be some stupid like wh- which pathway gets me back there to uh, to the Star Wars land or something. Just some stupid obscure Star Wars question okay. that I knew that she was getting peppered with over and over and over with by regular guests. I would throw in there and do one like that. But uh, where she is was Harry there. Potter? Where's Harry Potter? Yeah, that, oh, that's I, that, a good without one. A, that without a doubt was one uh, back in, back in the day. But she was there when the attraction opened, and she's still there to this day. And so uh, what will happen is my wife and kids will go in and watch the movie, and I'll go to the break room, and I'll hang out with her and a couple cool. others that are still there until they get out. So Is that uh, allowed, a fraternization in the, in the break room? No. And, and, uh, Dark side. Dark side. <laughs> well, well, let me see. For about 12 years after my final day working You should just there, send me a $2,500 check right now. I'll get you back in. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll date myself because uh, there was a refrigerator that for is in the break room and did not have an extensive cleaning for about 12 years after I, my last day working there. <laughs> and my last summer there, uh, Austin Powers was a uh, huge deal in the movies. And it's so uh, Austin Powers had his uh, mojo sucked out, if you remember that. Or, he, he lost his mojo. I don't think mojo. it was actually sucked out, but okay. Something, something like that. It might, it might have been. I'm not a scientist. Uh, but but we, we, we took a Coke bottle and put, I don't know, detergent and gel and glitter and food coloring in there Oof. and mixed it up and put it in the freezer. And it had a label on there called Ben's Mojo. And it was there for over 10 years after my last day. So we would go go in there and I managed to be like, who's this? And they go, oh, you know, Ben's mojo in the freezer. And they'd walk back there. That's Ben. That's Ben. It's him. That's amazing. uh, And uh, I can't tell you how heartbroken she was the year that I got there and they had cleaned the the refrigerator out overnight without talking to the cast members. And 
that summer I walked up and did the joke on Tony. She turns around. She's like, your mojo is gone. Your mojo is gone. And it was like <laughs> so heartbroken that a piece of me was, uh, was no longer in, uh, that's and amazing. I, I, and I, disgusting. I, I will find it. I have a picture of my mojo. I will, I will <laughs> dig it up. I, I have it and I'll share it to the, uh, Marty called group. It sounds dirtier than it is. You mentioned the break room. I'm going to go over to uh, Twitter where Taco Man 945 posted a picture of the uh, <laughs> Hi, Taco of the, Man <laughs> of the shack across from the dock. I'm going to put it in our chat as well. Uh, wanting to know, does this serve a purpose for cast members or is this just for show? This isn't the break room, is it? No, God, no. It'd be so much better than the break room. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the, that's just for show. Um, the best way to put it when when you're coming into the uh, unload area past Trader Sam yep. and you take a left to go to the dock, yep. if you look to your right, that is the uh, maintenance bay behind the okay. behind the gate there. That's that's where the track switch is at, and that's where you can take a boat off uh, into the backstage area into the maintenance bay. And right next to the maintenance bay is a, just a concrete sidewalk that leads to a tent that had – uh, again, this is back when I worked there, but as far as I know, it has not changed. It's got a couple tables. It's got some fans in there. It's got some lockers in there. And that is it. That break room sucks. Is, uh, I'm confused. Is that on the opposite on the, uh, like the park side of the water or is that on the ride side of the water? So like you have to take the right into the maintenance bay. Uh, is yep. it on the right side of that or the left side of that? The left, the left side okay, of that. So, it's, so okay. yeah, if, if you walk past the, uh, the tent area a little bit, there's no restrooms out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you keep walking past the tent, there's plenty of your, trees though. So you're fine. There's plenty of trees. Uh, but to your left <laughs> is the backside of main street. The, okay. I guess you would call yeah, the yeah. West side of main street. And within there, there are some tunnels to get down to the utilities to use the restroom, uh, but, you know, even at you had 15 minute breaks where your regular breaks, 30 minutes for lunch, you didn't have time to get anywhere uh, sure. to, to, to go do that stuff. So if you had to go to the bathroom, your entire 15 minute break was going to be you walking quickly, go downstairs, go to the bathroom, get back up. And then you're expected to get back on your uh, on stage into your next role. Sure. Sure. Um, next question is uh, from Facebook. David Thacker. Heck, I just want to know anything unknown about the ride. The more secrets, the better. Throw in some kinky cast member things, and it's a plus. Did you ever chain anyone to, like, any of the scenes? Is that... No, no. I I chained somebody at Muppets one time, but... (laughs) Okay, let's just just do kinky. Forget about Jungle Cruise. (laughs) Where have you tied someone up? We tied up... What's the kinkiest thing you've done, Ben? (laughs) We we chained up Sweetums one time, but we'll save that for the... uh, Chained up Sleetums and walked them to the pre-show area, scaring little kids. Uh, <laughs> it was freaking awesome. But we'll save that for the uh, Muppet Vision show. Uh, let's see. The thing I always tell people, th- there's not a whole lot of secrets that, that I could necessarily reveal. What you see is what you get, for the most part. That's an old attraction. Uh, everything's out in front of your eyes. The, the, there's not a whole lot of behind the scenes that you're missing out on. Um, you're lying. You've already told us about some. The lanterns that light up, the signals. What is the well, green and red light before the cave? Damn it. Green, this is what happens not, when we put you in charge. Not before the <laughs> cave. No, no green and red light before the cave. Uh, I feel like there's a red light on that cave. I've seen it and wondered what it meant. If there is, I have no idea what it's referencing there. Uh, Disappointment. You haven't really trained those hippos or animatronic elephants, have you? No, there there are sound effects, and you guys have probably picked up on that as well as you're going through. There are sound elements that trigger uh, 
things that are going to happen in front of you. Uh, that's how you can do like the parts with the uh, elephant. I always did the elephant speaking before you got to the savanna. Uh, I would have the uh, elephant speak, speak louder, spray them with water, and then it would do nothing. And and I would. <laughs> it was all because I could hear the different sound effects going through. Uh, one thing that we were always Wait, trained explain on, more about that. I feel like you skimmed okay. through something important there. It, it, t- flesh that out. Pretend I know nothing about that attraction. Explain that system to me. Okay, so you're going down the Nile River, and you have the two elephants. You have the one on your left side, one on your right side, uh, the African elephants. And you do your first joke about... We call that a pair of elephant. No, that doesn't work. Never mind. Yeah, no, no, but, uh, <laughs> you can do whatever you want to the, 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 for the first joke, for the first elephant reference in its ears or, or what continent we're on, whatever. But the second elephant, you can either do another round of jokes there, or you can hear a sound point where you'll hear... Uh, the elephant kind of give a little, what, what do you call it when an elephant makes a sound? <laughs> the, a trumpet? Uh, kind of, with, it, with its trunk. So Good answer. Yep. Good answer. It'll make a sound at that point. And once you hear that one sound, you've got like two seconds to get a joke in. And so what I would do is... is Why did you uh, check across the road? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm sorry. I take that back. You would hear the one. You'd hear the sound effect from the first elephant you saw, and when that would happen, you knew you had a certain amount of time before the second elephant. And I would say the joke uh, based on that first sound bite that I would hear. That just sounds like a regular jungle sound noise. It, 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 it has really no reference to anything that you're doing. It, it's not supposed to be called out for action. Only the skipper himself would be the one to understand when that noise happens, these next things are going to happen in the next show scene. So at that point, I would say, hey, I've been working with this elephant. Listen, I can make it do a trick. And if I'd said it fast enough, I could say speak. And right when I said speak, you, the elephant would go, and then I would go louder, and then it would be louder. And then at that point, I knew that nothing else would happen with that elephant. So at that point I could add another punchline, which I would always say now spray them with water and the elephant would do nothing, but the boat would all duck down. Like it's about to get sprayed with water. So that's pretty good. Yeah. That, like yeah. That. So it's just picking up on little sounds that you would hear. that are just simple background noises. Now, that, now is that, would, that in the script? Do they train you on that? Or is that just something that you learned with experience? Uh, that's something I learned with experience. And yep. why did they, why are they not teaching that? Has, is that not, it seems like that's a an opportunity that they're depending upon human ingenuity to figure out, which is always a dangerous game to play. <laughs> I would say, and uh, I went through a, it was kind of a unique time during the training, and I Over hated the gay it. Face. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. So, I'm not judging. And this gets into my next next point, and I'll work it all in here. But uh, what Josh just said, or <laughs> I'll work it. In. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> We're so, helpful. So, like with We're the with, <laughs> son of a. You're guy. welcome. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Ben. Go ahead. With, with like the lights that you would see that would give you triggers to move forward or not this and that. Uh, and tell we us were, about all of those. I want to know every one of them. Well, the only one that I remember and the only one that was ever referenced to me was the point at the at the before you go into unload where uh, and I got to get my color systems down. I, I, can't remember this off the top of my head, but if a light was on or if it was flashing a certain amount, it meant that the track in front of you was not uh, connected to the unload area. It meant that the track was being moved 
to the spot where you would pull the boat into the back dock. And the thing is, you can't see the track whatsoever. Right. So you're, I know you're they right. dye the water so that you can't see through it. You know, and when I was there, it was that dark, dark brown color. Uh, so you, you saw nothing. And that would be another thing. We would show up and all of a sudden the water would be green or it'd be red. It was just something that we do overnight yeah. with no notice. In my research, and, I learned that they, they, they've changed that several times throughout history. It's, it's sort of a yeah. blue now. Well, yep. who knows what it is now, but... And so you had two things. You actually had somebody on the end of the dock that was manually making the track switch happen. So they're supposed to notify you not to move forward. And you would also have that light flashing to let you know not to move forward. And then when the light would go solid or if it would turn off, I can't remember exactly which which one it was. But that was your signal that the track had moved back to where it needed to be and then you could pull forward. So you relied on both the skipper and the light. And I can tell you it was always that the, the person on the dock, if anything got screwed up, it was on them. They're, they're your main point of call that they're supposed to be signaling to you not to move forward and that something's happening. So uh, as far as you know, is that lantern controlled automatically by the position of the track or is that controlled by the guy on the dock? It's controlled by what it's controlled by the guy on the dock when he flips that switch for the track to move. So okay. it, it's in conjunction with each other. And so again, he controls the track. Or I keep saying he, they control the track and then the track controls the light. Correct. And the one reason I can't speak necessarily on exactly how that works is because that was a coordinator position that did that. That wasn't just any skipper could go switch the track. The coordinator mm. with the with the manager would make the decision on when to pull boats off of the river. Uh, so as the as the attraction moves on throughout the day and the crowds and the lines get shorter and shorter and shorter, if you keep the same number of boats out there that is during the peak hours you're going to have too many boats moving through with not enough guests to fill those boats up. So you're sending out dead boats, which is a skipper okay. by himself. So, they, nobody so they would throttle back capacity in order to keep boats full. Cor- that- correct. Correct. So it wasn't like there was an issue with a boat. There was the only time the track switch would happen to pull boats off and on uh, the backstage area was to control the capacity. Interesting. So, uh, so that would that, mean that, that they'd have skippers that were not operating, right? Yes. And that, that often usually coincided with skippers getting off of their shifts or management early releasing those skippers because they didn't need as many people working if a, if the day ended up being much lighter than what was projected and, and had things scheduled. Gotcha. So uh, those boats being pulled off, though, was never a decision by a regular skipper. It was always done with management and the coordinator. So I never was in the position to flip that switch and pull boats off. I was just always the one that either had to, you know, wait for the track to switch or uh, put a boat in reverse and back it into the backstage area. As far as you know, who got to decide what color they were going to dye the water at any given time? (laughs) Uh, Whoever peed in it last. I have no idea. Did you ever see that process take place? Like how much shit do you have to dump in that much water in order to color it? it, I remember just one drastic color change and it was just, I went, you know, cl- and oftentimes college program kids close the attractions. Uh, you'll notice Wait, that. What do, what do you mean by that? Uh, higher seniority people get to open in the day and get off, you know, at two in the okay, afternoon. I see, and I see, the rest I see, day. College program kids get to work, you know, 12 to 14 hours and it's often coincides with closing the attraction. So I would, I, the only time I remember uh, the, the, river changing color it cl- I, I closed the attraction one night and it was one color and i showed up the next day and it was a different color so any of that <laughs> stuff happened overnight with maintenance and a third shift that would come in and and do those kind of things they would never do it during the day uh especially when the attraction is running and, and and guests are out there what do you think is the canonically correct color for the for the water to be 
Uh, some some like brown, green, mossy. I I always yeah. liked it kind of that greenish color. The, the, yeah. the like kind of that like dark the one in the green. picture. Yep that that was always kind of the the one that I've always gravitated towards uh, liking. It seems now, most natural. Yep, that goes through. If, if I'm not mistaken, the dye for that goes through Schweitzer Falls. Is that I, how they I've circulate? Always heard, I've always heard that, but I don't know. Okay, definitively, if that's that's the right deal. It might just be like something that somebody made up, and it just kind of got passed yep. around. I looked yep. up the attraction. I, I, also, I also heard that uh, back before I was ever there, you know, like bubble bath would get put in up there, and people would show up, and there's bubbles all over the river. I never saw that. I think that's an old wives' tale. But again, that connects to the old story of uh, somebody put bubble bath in Schweitzer Falls, and all of a sudden it, it got filled up. So that could kind of coincide with what you're thinking of, you know, dying the river based on. Uh, put it in Schweitzer Falls and then it mix from there. So if Wikipedia is correct, and I, I don't remember the specifics enough to actually quote it, but I would encourage people to go look. It's not real. The water in that attraction is not a closed loop. It actually flows elsewhere throughout the park through like a 31 inch pipe, which is a big ass pipe in case you're wondering. Um, so check that out. It's it's, so it's possible that it's even died somewhere relatively distant from the attraction based on that. But it's, maybe it, the Adventureland Bridge, yeah. but other than that, it's got to be capped. And I think that was uh, that had a dam built when they drained the um, Cinderella Castle moat. So I don't. That's got to be closed loop. I, yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I I would just take a look at the Wikipedia article to see what it says. It certainly could be incorrect, but I was yeah. surprised mm-hmm. by what it said because it certainly seemed to suggest that that water is being circulated outside of the attraction itself. You mentioned yep. maintenance, uh, Josh, and we got a couple of questions related to that. I'm going to go through both of them. Uh, first one is from Brian Fisher. How do they do maintenance on the boats? The next one is from Christine Spurlock. Someone's video from the leaking boat looked like the water was coming through the bench. Is there a pump in that area of the boat that could have stopped working? Hmm. I don't know how uh, much of this you would know because you didn't necessarily work on them. but Yeah, no, I can tell you anything on the maintenance side would be done overnight. Uh, if there was okay. an issue with a boat during the day, we would just, cause there's enough boats that you could pull one or two off. And rarely did you have multiple issues with multiple boats during, during a day. Yes. One boat could be sputtering around a little bit, not just moving, uh, the way it should. Maybe there's an issue with the sound system, uh, things like that. We would just back that boat off. And if there were extra boats, uh, not being used that day, we'd pull another boat on, but, Never, and especially since you know our break room was right next to the maintenance bay, we never saw boats getting worked on during the day. Uh, it would be something that that third shift would come in overnight or any kind of maintenance the next day, uh, you know, o- overnight. And then if it got fixed that night, great, it'd be back on the uh, uh, on the river the next day. If not, it's just still bit, sit back in the maintenance bay to be worked on. The uh, the boilers that I think have have they all been removed from the Jungle Cruise boats? Um, yeah, that that's all. Look. Were they were they ever functional? I I remember those heating up and some. It could just be like you know. No, there's no way they had an actual live boiler on those things. Now the old boat. Now I, yeah. I don't know what you'd reference that area, but the the boiler engine, whatever it was, on the old boats would get freaking hot, and you could burn yourself. That's what on I'm it. thinking. The new yeah. one. Yeah, the the new ones are much cleaner and safer, and that they, that's not a. But it wasn't a boiler. Was, I mean, it was not a steam engine. I mean, it might have gotten hot due to the. Yeah. Int- Due to some system in the boat there, but there's no yeah. way that that was a actual steam engine. I vaguely remember like touching that as a kid and it being hot. Yeah, and we this would, is we before everyone people. was litigious, but yeah, I don't understand that word, so I'm going to take it as disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and and uh, uh, the stuff with the boats as well, it's not just the boats, it's the uh, audio animatronics throughout the ride. If there was an issue during the day, uh, you would never see, obviously, people working on it. Otherwise, if they had to work on something during the day, the whole ride would have to shut down uh, sure. because of how visible the uh, audio animatronics are and, and it would just take away from the magic on it. So if we saw something not working, if we saw a hippo not charging, things like that, we would mark it down. We'd let the coordinator know they would make notes and that would get turned over to the third shift. And then at that point they would assess how they wanted to fix those things, but it never happened during the day. Were there any animatronics that if they broke the ride shuts down? Uh, not on jungle cruise. No, uh, we now, ha- pirates, you guys would work, would go over there. Pirates had a uh, ride stop and you'd have to close jungle cruise too, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So what happened? And again, this might have been more. Why was that? So this and this might have been more of the time period that we were working at. Uh, there were budget cuts. There were certain things, and th- and this goes back to what I was getting to a little bit ago. Like uh, my weird time of training. Uh, the the main thing that was preached to us that while we were training was to run those boats at full throttle. Uh, mm-hmm. because we wanted to pump as many guests through as possible. So I was working during a time where guest satisfaction wasn't as important as put through and things like that. And mm-hmm. part of that also was running the tractions as uh, lightly as possible uh, with as few cast members as possible. And that's this is where it gets in with pirates. During that time period, you could run pirates with just a handful of people with a greeter. Right. Uh, you'd have the per, you know, load and unload based uh, load based on if they were loading both sides or just the one. Uh, so if you're just loading the one side, you only needed one person there, one person to launch the boats. So you had the person at the top uh, in the, in the crow's nest uh, watching the overall attraction. And then you had the unload and that was it. And so, you know, you get through with five, six pirates that was cast members at one time running that attraction. But if that attraction went 101, which was our term for a breakdown, and they had to uh, get it to the point where they had to evacuate guests out of pirates, that's the point that the skippers would have to run over to help unload those boats inside the attraction because they didn't have enough uh, cast members at pirates to do that uh, during the time that I worked there. So yes, we spent uh, one full day that we had to go over to pirates during our training. And this was actually my favorite day of training like ever because I had to get there at like 6.30 in the morning, and my job was to walk all over the Pirates attraction, walk through every show scene, walk with, you know, standing next to the audio animatronics, seeing all the magic of how all that happened, and that was because I had to learn where I had to go to uh, the certain spots during the ride to, to stop the boats and unload guests safely off of them and walk them through the backstage area to get off. So uh, that was one benefit of working at the Jungle Cruise at that time is I got to go spend that time uh on another attraction and see the behind the scenes, which is not something that's allowed to happen. It's not like I could just walk over to the haunted mansion one day and be like, Hey, I'm a skipper. Can I go check out the backside of this ride? That's, that's not allowed, uh, that to happen, especially doing in, you know, in other parks as well. Uh, so getting that chance to do that at pirates was for me, I thought amazing. I was training with other people who didn't give, you know, two rats asked about the history of Disney. So they were just more complaining about how early you had to get up and couldn't believe they had to actually do this as part of their job. That, I mean, that's right up our alley. That's something that we, yeah. would, all, yeah. that we would all love to do. Um, and really kind of the nature of this show. Um, kind of on the heels of that, then I know you've told stories about backstage. I think, was it an alien animatronic? Something that creeps you out on some walkway from Muppets. Maybe we save that story for, for that. But um, maybe around the Magic Kingdom, 
did did being a Jungle Cruise skipper afford you the ability to look backstage at anything that uh, you found interesting? Uh, I mean, I this mean besides was, Pirates. This was my chance to, to, to see the Utilidors, which I okay. was just blown away by. And again, that was kind of the you know early days of me wanting to work at Disney was one of the main things I, I wanted to see. I couldn't believe as a kid that there was like a whole underground city. That's how I was always thought of it in my head. Uh, and it's really what it was when I finally got to do it. So uh, to be able to go and be a part of that and just see how that functioned and uh, how that all worked. And I know I've told the story on Inside the Magic of like the trash shooting over my head uh, <laughs> as I'm walking underneath Main Street. And, you know, we called it sludge from these tubes that would fall down on you. And I, I uh, one time remember getting all the way out, you know, from costuming, which is at the very back costuming in the cast member dressing rooms is under what used to be 20,000 leagues under the sea. So I guess under kind of like seven dwarfs mind train and, and new fantasy land now. Okay. So that's where you would get your costuming, get changed. And at that time, that's where, uh, that none of that was part of, uh, your shift. So you were expected to go do all of that before you clocked in. Hmm. And there was a major lawsuit about all that after I, I say, left. That, that, that sounds like a problem. Yep. yep. So it finally got worked into where you would clock in and then get your costume, get changed, and then have to report to your attraction. But back then, I would have to show up to work 30 minutes early to get through costuming to change while I was there. Because at that time, and I still think it might be that way with the Magic Kingdom. I know the rules for Hollywood Studios is not this way or the other uh, uh, parks. But... We couldn't take any costumes home with us, so we couldn't come to work dressed in our costume. So we had to allot for that 30 minutes to go to the costuming, have them grab the costume for you. We'd have to change, find a locker, do all that stuff. And then from the back end of the park, I had to allow for you know another 10 minutes to get through the Utilidors all the way up to the Jungle Cruise, come up through the Utilidors on the back end of Main Street and walk over to my spot to actually report in. And if I was one minute late, I had I could have been written up. So, uh, I remember one time and it sounds like a shit job. It's yeah, it sucked. (laughs) And so one time I'm doing that and I get all the way up there. I'm at the end of main street about to come up the tunnels and you could hear, you could hear the trash being coming through the tubes under the, uh, you know, it's underneath main street, but it's your ceiling when you're at the utilidor Mm -hmm. and just rattling, coming at you like a rocket and just shooting over your head to wherever they lead to out the back of the park. And I remember getting all the way up there and just this plop hits me on the shoulder and I look over Ugh. and it's whatever brown black sludge they'd come through with that trash just hit me. And I'm like, God damn, I, I can't go on stage dressed like this. So I had to, you know, sprint all the way back there, get another shirt, get it all changed, sprint back to the front and get up there in time to, to report. And so I wouldn't get written Ugh. up. So Did they write yeah, you up for that? Were you late? No, I, I made it up there. I, I always allotted myself enough time, but it was it was a bit Good hairy. Man. That's for sure. Ugh. But that was my main thing was getting getting to see that stuff, uh, getting to go un- underground. Uh, we did get to do a couple cool things. Uh, th- they would have cast member parties for us after after hours. Where uh, the the one that they did that everybody always talked about. It seemed like they probably did it once a summer for ca- Magic Kingdom cast members. And it was only allowed for Magic Kingdom cast members. Is you know everybody after park hours go to Space Mountain, get to ride it with the lights on, things like that that they would do for us from time to time. I'm not sure if they still do that kind of stuff now. But we did that. We would have barbecues uh, 
back where uh, in Tomorrowland where the stage used to be. I can't remember what that exactly was called. Uh, there was that outdoor stage area. That was I between, believe it was called the Tomorrowland stage. Yeah, <laughs> it might have been. Uh, <laughs> but the, when when that was up and going, there's a whole parking lot back behind that. And so they would set that up as we'd have barbecues out there and things like that uh, to kind of just do, you know, boost morale for, for cast sure, members sure. in the park. Um, I want to go back to David Thacker's question. Um, this is on the heels of something that we, uh, when back in the old fanboys days, we picked Paul Miller's uh, discussion or pick, pick his mind about on the Haunted Mansion. Uh, what's the funniest thing you've come across along the riverbanks? Uh, maybe like a, a guest threw aside. Uh, Paul's comment was like it was a it was a spent condom like a minute and a half into the haunted mansion, um, which, which in itself <laughs> is funny for a multitude. The timing of is funny for sure. Yes, <laughs> uh, you're gonna be disappointed by this answer, but uh, nothing. I, <laughs> I I don't remember seeing anything out there. You know, you'd see hats, you'd see this or that. Uh, but the thing is, you were always focused on the guest, and sure. so but my deal was like I knew what was outside the boat. I knew what the next audio animatronic was. I knew the next thing in my head, I'm focused on my next joke that makes and sense. I'm, and I'm focused on the people inside the boat. I'm not really looking outside the boat whatsoever, uh, at, at that point. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't think of one thing, you know, I, I've told I've the got story, a listener question uh, for you. I'm, I'm the listener. <laughs> go, for uh, it. go for it. Go for it. So living with land somewhat famously had the cast member replaced with a, with a, you know, a canned narration, and certainly that's a very different ride from Jungle Cruise because the personality of the skipper contributes a lot to that ride. But uh, in the world that we live in, where we now have a CEO of the company who's very, he, he's a cutter of budgets by, by reputation, can you ever conceive of a situation in which the Jungle Cruise would be run without a live cast member doing a spiel? Uh, I don't. Uh, interesting. I was a recent guest on the Tomorrowland Society podcast, which will be out here uh, like in a week. We don't Josh, plug other shows here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, Dan and I were talking about this. I don't think we'll ever see where the cast member gets replaced, but I do think we are probably a year and a half away by seeing a, a major change to the attraction if a certain movie uh, this summer or fall, whenever theaters That movie's back going up. to Disney+. Plus. That movie isn't going to really be released in theaters. If that movie has any kind of success whatsoever though i am predicting now that we we're talking about debbie does schweitzer right exactly yes. okay. uh, <laughs> it will not shock me one bit i i don't think we'll ever see the skipper be removed because and i brought this up with dan they would have to fundamentally change how that attraction works for a skipper to come off that boat because while we don't control where the boat goes the skipper is in full control of the throttle so they would have to change those boats to function on their own for the. They speed did it with the, the monorail. Boat. Yeah, they they did. Uh, so I, I'm my my guess is that won't happen. But what I do see happening is kind of a Warden Wilson Matua uh, from Kilimanjaro Safari situation, where some narration from the Rock could be incorporated into the boat yeah. that is then mixed in with a live skipper. Uh, interacting with that spiel that would trigger at certain points. That seems Probably, like the worst of all worlds to me. Well, in a, I'll make it even worse. Uh, you know, a rock audio animatronic near the end of the boat that you encounter. Mm. I, I, I don't. Um, Is he killing Alan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's killing Trader Sam. It's Trader. <laughs> it, it, the, Trader Sam's holding the rock's head. That would be freaking awesome. But mm. uh, that, that I can definitely see 
uh, that change coming to the right if they end up doing anything here in the near future. It seems that uh, I thought I had heard that the actual ability to put additional audio in there is already set up. Like you, you plug in some sort of USB device and it's ready to go. Are you aware of that or no? Uh, no. I. So I had the unique opportunity of working on the old boats and okay. then showing up the next day at work and there's new boats on the river. Again, hmm. we were not tipped off on this whatsoever. We went through a very crash course on how to run those boats, which the driving and steering of the boats is very, very, very similar. Uh, the biggest difference, though, was the, uh, the audio system on it. That took a lot of getting used to because the old system, the louder you spoke into the microphone, the louder your voice was on the boat. So I went from being able to, you know, you go back to the Sam Kennison. Uh, people were like that. <laughs> if, if you yelled like Sam Kennison, it was very loud on the boat. If I did my Stephen Wright impression uh, and I spoke very softly into the microphone where people had to listen closely, it would, uh, it, it would carry that way on the boat. But the new boats had it to where – in. Josh, you'll be able to term this better for me than, than I possibly can. But uh, it it however loud you spoke into the microphone, it only came out at a certain level. That sounds uh, terrible for comedy. I mean, being able to vary your voice is uh, an important part of communication in general, comedy in particular. Yep. So no matter how loud you spoke, it, the volume came out the same level, and it would amplify you if you spoke very low. Is that the so, so it was like basically a level control system? But is that is that the way it is now? It's, that's how it is now, and the one way you can know that is next time you write it, if you ever see a skipper yell something not on microphone, it's because if he yelled it into the microphone, it would sound terrible coming through that audio. So that's the way we that's the way we got around it. If they're going to say something to the hippos, you'll notice a skipper takes the microphone away and he screams at the hippos if, they, <laughs> if he wants that as a punchline. But that's the reason he's doing it is because that sound system uh, muffles if you had spoken louder like you would on the old boat. On the old boat, you would do everything into that microphone because it would carry that same emphasis throughout the sound system. Yeah. So that's a lot of getting used to. Do you think that they put any thought into to. that at all? Like, do you think when they design those new boats or, you know, because they're not really designing the shit. We, we talk about Imagineers. Let's face it. Most of these guys, and I, I have a friend who's an Imagineer, so I'll probably get some shit for this. I, I'm not saying that they can't design anything, but they're relying very heavily on industry to produce components and sure. systems that they use. And they use them in creative ways. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But do you think that there was any consideration whatsoever to the effect on the presentation when they were choosing the components that they put into the to that boat because it doesn't sound like it because we fundamentally change the audio system that someone who's trying to produce a comedic performance is using and you don't even tell them about it, which is what you just said happened. That, that suggests it's, that's, it's, that's, it's, the, it's somewhere in between incompetent and lazy. Yeah. It, it kind of, <laughs> can it be both? It could be. But uh, <laughs> it might it, be. if you think about it, this, well, this was little, the 20 years ago when this, when this change happened almost 20 years ago now, uh, and just think of what that technology was probably like back then that, that somebody probably presented that tech to them and like you speak in the microphone and it all comes out of the same level. And they probably were enamored. I think a little bit with like, that seems like something pretty cool as opposed to does this really serve a purpose? Uh, Cause yeah. I, I doubt that, you know, they got many complaints at city hall that my skipper was too loud. I just don't see right. that ever happening. So I think they probably were like, Hey, this seems like something that's pretty cool to put on these cool new boats. Let's do it. And then you get out there and we start doing it and we're, we're all those first couple times going around doing it, wondering why people aren't laughing at our jokes the way they used to on the old boats until we all kind of, because hmm. it wasn't presented to us. It wasn't like, Hey, 
here's how these new sound systems works. We figured that out on our own going this. That's sucks. the part that's really sad. Like that's because you, I mean, it's, this is sort of the downside of being a Disney enthusiast is that some of, and I assume if you were a big fan of magic, that this would be the exact same thing. Like if you love magic, probably the worst thing you could ever do is hang out with a bunch of people that work with magicians. But yeah, you know, I mean, as, as you learn what Disney's done, it deflates so much the, the confidence that you have them in terms of their, you, you know, the, the decision-making and the, the intentionality of the choices they make. It almost just seems like a lot of it's just sort of haphazard these days. And yeah. uh, I don't know, I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty depressing story from, from where I'm sitting. Yep. The, uh, the, the kind of common thread with some of the remaining questions here are about the jokes themselves. Um, we got who writes the jokes uh, from Kathy Howe. Michael King, what jokes did you wish were removed from the script? Did you suggest any jokes that were added to the script? I think we know the answer to the second part. Um, but uh, And then the last one was, uh, ever hear a cast member go rogue and do their own jokes, hopefully off color? Um, so I, I like uh, Michael King's question about jokes that you wish were removed from the script. Were there any that like you felt you had to do but you hated? Uh no. Or was enough variation there, that you could There's have. definitely enough variation. Uh, and as I look at my script, it's fun looking back at the ones I checked off and highlighted. Uh, and, and I think I was a little bit different. And it's harder for me to speak on this because like, I knew as a little kid, this is what I wanted to do. And so okay. growing up, we went to, we went every year. And so by the time I actually got there and start training, I knew my script in my head. I knew, I knew the jokes I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted, the way I wanted to lay it out. And then, you know, obviously we have a podcast like this. So I have this level of like respect for the ride and the people who built it and wrote, you know, I, I always looked at this as Walt's script, even though whatever, you know, based on when it was done, <laughs> it's not, but I always looked at it with that reverence of like, this is what he would have wanted. So I'd never, I never really wanted to go off script. I liked the jokes that I said. I liked the ones that I picked out. Uh, there were others in the script that were just seemed old. I think that's the best way to put it. There, there's something, uh, and I might have to do a Can little more examples digging of those that, like that we do that we probably put haven't heard on the spot. Let me see. Here yeah, for exactly. A second. Uh, let's see. I'll talk as I read. This is this is gonna be interesting. Uh, so let's see. Um, one one thing I'll say going back to it, like uh, I did hear I did hear. <laughs> I'll, I'll reference this real quick. Uh, skippers going off script. Mm -hmm. So some skippers just didn't give a crap. Uh, and, and those are generally the best ones. Yep. And so <laughs> they, they would say good jokes there and, and, and not really care. But the things that the times that skippers really had a lot of fun was a skipper's last day when they mm. had nothing <laughs> okay. left to lose. And that's when they would do stupid, stupid stuff they would say they, that's when he dropped the f bomb. Oh, they didn't care. <laughs> that's that's just where whatever whatever happens. That's that's what they would go with. So, uh, and and the other thing I always tell people is go at night and ride the ride. Yeah, again, I definitely found that to be true. And again, that's, uh, somebody mentioned that as well in our chat. That's college kids riding the ride who don't care. This isn't their career. This isn't what they're going to do. They're not depending on this for paychecks. They're doing it for to goof around, get some college credit. They're getting paid crap money, so they don't care. So right at night, that's the best time to go. And uh, 
Isn't it ironic that that's a job where the less you care about it, the better you are at it? That's not true of most jobs. You don't want a brain surgeon who doesn't give a shit. But when it comes to a fucking Jungle Cruise skipper, a guy that doesn't give two shits is the ideal candidate. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> Do you have an example of a, uh, see, uh, kind of a dated joke? Preferably something with some racial undertones. I, I you know what? Let's. <laughs> let, I got a better idea here. Give me, give me a section of the ride that you'd like to hear a couple jokes from, and I'll give the you part in the boat. That part. There we go. What was it like to be a Jungle Cruise skipper? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I'm channeling my inner Paul. <laughs> uh, were there actually? I'll, I'll phrase, were there any jokes actually written for the temple, or was it just explicitly in there? Don't tell anything. Hold on. Let me jump to the temple. Play. Uh, just, play just some music right now. <laughs> killer pod. Just thinking. I'm almost there. Uh, there are some more uh, questions that we're not going to be able to get to today related to the Jungle Cruise, but uh, Ben occasionally is on Facebook now that he's working from home uh, 100% of the time. So <laughs> keep those questions coming, and uh, I'm going to put it on him to answer some of those as they, as they come in. Yeah, I really like listener questions. They make it so much easier for us, and, honestly. And I feel like, great questions are great. I feel like yeah. we could do some more on this attraction. I think this is the best Definitely. response that we had for questions, so... Uh, let's see. Let me just read you some jokes after uh, Schweitzer Falls, if that works for you guys. And Sure. Uh, we'll go one by one, and you can stop me anytime you like. But uh, right after you pass stop. Schweitzer... <laughs> right, it's a six of diamonds. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I'm still on the magic kick. <laughs> so right after Schweitzer Falls, let's see. Joke one. Woo. That was a close call. You can all breathe now. That's a killer. Keep going. <laughs> uh, 41. Look around. Puzzled. Wait a minute. We're on a different river now. In fact, it's a different continent. That's good. That's a segue. I mean, at least yeah. that one's functional. And then when you yeah. realize where you are, we're on the Mekong River of Southeast Asia, deep in the heart of Cambodia. And up ahead is a sacred temple of the Khmer Empire. The Khmer Empire actually ruled most of Southeast Asia for seven centuries and built entire cities of temples just like this one. None of us have ever heard that joke. Or, That's pretty hilarious. Yeah. So <laughs> no. that, that tells you right there, like skippers, like there is... Uh, exposition a lot in the script yeah, yeah. that skippers over the years have just said screw that what's the next yeah. show right. the next punchline so here we are at the uh, temple entrance it looks like there's been an earthquake here lately this is a new entrance it turn page always don't excellent read out aloud, <laughs> turn page. actually no that was it <laughs> hold on <laughs> <laughs> there's a new entrance okay and then we go into the next was show. turn page the punchline or was <laughs> yeah. that an error on, because yeah. I think that actually made it better I, that was an error because I was thinking there was more to it to the next uh, page and there wasn't. It goes into uh, 43A. Here's the alternate take of that joke. It looks like there's been an earthquake here lately. This is a new entrance. What do you think? Should we go in? Good, because we ha don't have a choice. I don't think that's a joke so much as a <laughs> statement. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the lines, there's a couple of them at that point, actually. So it's interesting that you focused on that. And I, um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, this is, I'll let you finish it, but I will, before you I'll get like into it. I'll go ahead and then immediately interrupt <laughs> you. <laughs> I will say, this is the spot where I was guiltiest of saying an off-script joke. And what, give and me the dirtiest one that you've ever said there. Well, dude, <laughs> You're I'll, about I'll, to go I'll, into a dark black hole, so I'll just let, let that be I'll your I'll inspiration. I'm let finish his thought, because I think it leads into what my joke would be, so go ahead. Oh, now well, you're going to let him finish. It really is that question. I, there's two of them that I that I hear here, here, here. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh homonyms um, <laughs> that I think are off script. Uh, one is leads to a gift shop. Other is yep. Disney's failed attempt at the monorail. 
So mine was always, I don't know what we'll find on the other side. Maybe we'll find adventure. Maybe we'll find excitement. Uh, who am I kidding? We're at Disney World. All we're going to find is another gift shop. That's and, a, I mean, that's a much better joke than the ones that you read off the script. Well, here's what I was supposed to say when I was going in there. There's no telling what we'll find in here, so keep your eyes open. I'm going to keep mine closed. Hmm. I've heard that one several times. Yep. Yours is much better. The alternate takes are, here we go. Goodbye. I mean, good luck, crew. You, okay. you asked for it. Oh, and did I happen to mention that no one has ever come out of here alive? Okay. And from here on, it's every man, woman, or skipper for themselves. Okay. And then the next note, this answers your question. Remain quiet until second group of monkeys. At second group of monkeys, you can say, imagine a civilization built like some... <clears throat> imagine a civilization that built something like this and then disappeared. That's it. So the, I'm uh, going to say that the gift shop joke by a very large margin is the best one. And I, I don't think it's really insulting to Disney or anything. I mean, you know, it's it's self-effacing, but in a, in a charming kind of way. It's not as though people don't realize that gift shops are a thing at Disney Park. So yeah. I, if that program you talked about where you could submit a joke, that is one, in my opinion, that very clearly should have been written into the sanctioned uh, list of approved jokes. And I could absolutely see some corporate bigwig who doesn't understand and has no sense of humor yep. um, that is censoring it. It's like when you have uh, – I mean we talk about non-creatives making creative decisions. Uh, you see this with like uh, great comedy bits that are destroyed in an editing bay, things like yep. that. Um, and I could absolutely see you know, a management uh, decision maker – just axing stuff like that. That's the problem. I think that's probably one of the biggest advantages that Universal has over Disney right now. Not that they're not a huge company because they certainly are, but they mm -hmm. seem to be less, uh, you know, focused on committee. Yeah, it, you know, and I'm I'm purely yeah. speculating here, really, but just based on the results of what I've seen them create, it seems like there's a lot less bureaucracy over there, and that is, you know, bureaucracy doesn't help the creative process at all. So I don't know. It's interesting to me. It seems that. Uh, you know, an attraction that old where, where that's a joke that I've heard told on that ride many times, the gift shop. Mm -hmm. one. You know, I've never in a million years would have guessed that that was not on the list. Yeah. And your uh, Universal point is pretty spot on because there's a handful of attractions at Universal, both in past and present, that in the form that was probably approved by their management. Uh, they would never have uh, have existed in Disney. The Monster Sound Show is a perfect example of it that's still going on. Mm -hmm. But Disaster, that pre-show area, was great from an improv standpoint as well as just like, all right, we can touch into PG-13 type uh, yep. dialogue here. And it was always – I mean, Jungle Cruise is another example of this where the better the host you have, it could be the best experience on your, on your trip. Yeah. If you have a good Jungle Cruise skipper, it could be the best ride on your trip. And if you have a bad one, it's, it's, it could be really rough, too. There, there's definitely a cringe or just, potential Or just forgettable. There. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Man, I, we were talking earlier before we recorded about futurism, and that's going to be another episode. But, but Ben, we're doing a Jungle Cruise show. Can you shut up, please? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one thing we didn't talk about is, is just contemporaryism, just the fact that society is changing, sensibilities change, you know, the mm -hmm. degree of irreverence that the typical person is willing to tolerate changes. And I think Jungle Cruise is, a ride, is, is an attraction where – you know, it's a delicate balance. You certainly don't want to be, you know, hardcore R-rated or, you know, X-rated. I'm not suggesting that. But I think a certain amount of edginess 
done tastefully and in a way that is suited for young people as well as old with some double entendre that that's what's going to keep that attraction uh fresh and viable and then that you know as time marches on so i hate to think that that script is set in stone because um the people who are writing it are not set in stone society is fluid and dynamic well and that's the funny part is i'm reading the script here while you guys are talking during my show good y2k (laughs) joke in there for us uh, I'm really. I'm just starting to realize how off script I was. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> like. It actually, I realize now I should have been fired. <laughs> and, and, and I think this speaks a lot. Like I know with myself, I had a unique training experience where I was. I only did like the the went around the jungle a couple times before doing the script with a uh, a dead boat no with no guest on it before a manager was like you're ready to go and pulled me off a boat put me in front of a live uh, crew and I was off and going so I didn't spend a whole lot of time like studying the script again I knew what I wanted so, to do I, I'm sorry for interrupting you but I have to so as part of your training you had to give the spiel to a to a, an empty boat oh yeah that was that was part you that's how you can tell if you see like if I you're in that the- had to be very hard to do uh, no, it took a lot of pressure off where if you screwed up a joke, nobody's there to do anything. So you sound very differently. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting here. So because <laughs> of this stupid COVID-19 thing, I've been teaching class online where basically means I record a lecture to myself with no room there. Mm-hmm. And my personal sense of it, maybe my students would disagree, but I feel like I'm actually pretty awesome in a classroom. I'm very good at reading the room and I care a lot about making it interesting and I can react to the, you know, level of attention and interest, but man, doing it to no one for me is damn near impossible. I I mean, I think that the quality of what I'm doing sucks. So I have a lot of respect for you. If you could do that to a dead boat and actually give a shit, that's impressive. And so it's also 10 minutes versus an entire lecture. True. And we got to remember, not everybody that gets picked to train on that ride wants to do something like this. I, I trained with people. Yeah. That oh, that's got to be really hard. That's like somebody making dude, you dance dude, on command. Like, that's tr- torture. I trained with a guy from Puerto Rico that English was his second language. Oh, he, see, I'd pay to go on that. That'd be hilarious. Who oh, the hell placed him on that ride? <laughs> don't, Jokes don't translate. He, that doesn't. He, he right, never, that's terrible casting, yeah, honestly. He, he, he never passed the training, so he got he had to get moved to another attraction. But yeah, he struggled so hard. And so uh, getting back to the guy, yeah, super nice guy. But yeah, I I just remember he couldn't, he could not get through it at all. Um, which drove me nuts that I was picked for like parking. He should have done the whole fucking thing in Spanish. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) well I'll, I'll get to foreign language here in a second. Cause that's maybe my favorite cruise I ever had had to do with the, with that. But, uh, one way you can tell a training boat next time you're in the queue, if you see, uh, a boat go by that has like four or five skippers on it, and nobody else, and just keeps passing through and goes off mm. the jungle by itself. That's a training boat. So on there, you've got one uh, trainer, and then the rest of the people are new skippers. And once they stand up as they go through the uh, load unload area, and then once they turn that corner and guests can't see them anymore, everybody can sit down. And one person at that point is supposed to do the spiel all the way through, and then they just keep rotating over and over again. Uh, so, but going back to foreign language, my favorite cruise I ever had was my boat got loaded with a, uh, it was all Japanese tourists, all, okay. all adult Japanese tourists. And excellent. <laughs> wow. God. Wow. Uh, so I start doing the spiel. That's uh, a very insensitive, Tim. <laughs> I start doing the spiel and I get to uh, Inspiration Falls and I've gotten no reaction whatsoever from anybody. And that, you know, obviously at that point, I understand nobody knows what I'm saying. So at, <laughs> at that point, I point at Inspiration Falls and I go, 
ooh. And I got got a handful of ooze. And then we pull forward and we get to the welcoming party with the canoes. And I go, ah. And they start going, ah. And then we turn the corner with the python. I go, ooh. And I keep getting a little bit louder. (laughs) That might be the best thing I've ever heard you say. We are ooing and on the entire, that's all I did the entire time. We get up to unload and they're just on their feet clapping. They are having the most fun ever. I get I to the, the coordinator is like, what the hell were you doing out there? Because <laughs> they can hear us at the at the dock throughout the jungle going ooh and all all the way through. It's, it was the most fun 10 minutes I ever had on a ride doing that ride. And I didn't tell one single, you know, joke that anybody understood. It was just that's great. I mean, honestly, on. that's but, that is the hallmark of doing your job, though. You, exactly. You, you read your audience and you did what you had to do. Hey, that's I, awesome. I, I worked with skippers that if they didn't get reactions early, they quit. They wouldn't look yeah. at the crew. They'd look forward and they would just d- give the most bland, blah, oh, uh, that's terrible. possible poop through. So, uh, and I was the opposite. You had to see what was getting a reaction and, and do whatever you had to do to put a smile on somebody's face, even if it meant ooh and ah and the whole way through. I might do a show where I just do it. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a good idea. Sometimes I doze off. <laughs> Why don't we uh, wrap it here? I think we're going to be a little bit more frequent with these shows, so we'll be back and hopefully uh, within two weeks where we're going to continue the Jungle Cruise conversation, uh, pick Ben's brain some more, yeah, I, and I got, perhaps I, even have you highlight some of the items in the script as well. That And like I said, as I'm reading the script here, through the especially the end part of the attraction, realizing how off script I was. So I, 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 <laughs> if, if we play the audio here, you'll hear some of it, but going over some of my jokes, that goes back to, again, here's the script. But once you pass, you never really went back to the script to go, hey, how can I change things? Honestly, sure. the stuff that I incorporated in was just stuff that I heard other skippers doing. And it was whether it was a, a subconscious effort or me going, hey, that's a good joke. I'm going to work that in. I think a lot of it more was just us being in and around the attraction at all times and, and uh, just hearing stuff in the back of our heads that would work its way into our scripts. Sure. So that's that's how a lot of uh, people uh Incorporate because honestly, I you never saw somebody back in the break room pulling the script out, going, "How can I get better on this?" <laughs> it, it, was, it was just you know you would do enough to get past, and then at that point you're on your own, and things would evolve naturally. Yeah, I've I've got several more questions for you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save them because I, I do think that this is probably best as a two parter. But I definitely have some some things I want to hit you with because this is very fascinating. I, I what I ultimately want. I'm just gonna air this. Probably should be a private conversation. I want to get a cast member who is involved in every attraction that involves any interaction on the show at some point because yeah. this is really interesting to me. If any of our listeners were on any other spieling attractions or really any level of interactivity with guests, uh, reach out to us, martycalled at gmail.com, and we can we can set something up. We can mask or, your voice if necessary. I've done it before with Gary. <laughs> or if you uh, – Went on the Jungle Cruise in the summer of 2000. You go through your home VHS tapes and you see a recording of me. Let me know because I only have one recording of myself doing this ever. That's that's the part that sucks. I wish I had more tapes of it. Also, if you if any listeners know who my father is, please send in your information <laughs> regarding that. Bye. Hope you find your dad. Um, <laughs> the uh, the last person to put a call out for old Jungle Cruise footage was John Lasseter. So uh, you're in great company. There, uh, <laughs> I'll get I, if anybody had, that ended up being uh, entered into evidence. So if, <laughs> it didn't work if, out well for if him. If anybody has footage of me, I will uh, gladly in give, prison. I'll give you a hug and a thigh uh, pinch. 
Ooh. Just wait until after the uh, coronavirus stuff uh, uh, backs down. No yeah. tongue. Um, if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. We will continue to take questions for the future Jungle Cruise show. Uh, we would also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. Doesn't cost you anything, but helps fund the show with purchases you're going to make anyway. Uh, I don't really have what's what holidays coming up? Easter, I guess. People do buy stuff for Easter, so that's not funny. Um, ben, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at real skipper Ben and at remember uh, remember when WDW. Uh, you can find each one of my top ten columns on every issue of Attractions Magazine. And I'll just go ahead and say this now: this was our best episode ever. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and josh what about you where can we find you online we're just gonna let that uh, well, i'm not in any magazine but i do have a new website uh, that links to my Redbubble store it is coronafreedisney.com that is not a joke uh, well it is a joke but it also is an actual website uh, how I many extra you- letters did you add in did you spell corona <laughs> no, I, correctly i actually had two people spell check it before i bought this domain name <laughs> because my reputation is not good um but i have a, a new line of corona themed epcot shirts in there that you can buy uh, spaceship corona is my favorite where it's spaceship earth uh replaced where the ball is uh the, the geodesic sphere is replaced by a menacing looking virus and uh i'm not making light of this tragedy i'm just making fun of it and making gotcha. money well, you can find I've sold me. none so far, so that, that part's not true. You can find me uh, at WDW Theme Parks. WDWThemeParks.com is going to get a lot of updates in the next couple of months when nothing is happening at Disney World. <laughs> You're welcome. Breaking. Bye, the everybody. park is still empty. Oh, and you can find us on WDWNT podcast no Corliss for it. <laughs> yeah we did you know what might as well say it why not <laughs> we did reach out to Corliss about being on one of his WDWNT live shows uh, we will see if that happens uh, I don't know about you guys I'm not optimistic but I guess if enough people ask him and don't be a-holes about it uh, wait for us to do that um, I will be very can, respectful if, if invited on just for the record we, we will whatever well I don't, we, we will have some probably ground rules ahead of time and we will either agree or disagree with those that's my guess um, but we it is out there in the ether we've been discussing it on Twitter uh, hopefully it happens I think it'd be a very entertaining conversation so I concur good night everybody bye everybody go bucks <laughs>
really think of Ben while, while you're on oh, camera. I really think of Ben? Yeah. He won't see this till later. A lovely human being. Lovely? Now yeah. tell the truth. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Hope you make it back. Oh, hey, he's got a friend over here. 
comes on. Hey, look over here. It's a crocodile and a baby elephant playing together. That's something you don't see every day. But I do. Look at this big shot over here. He's got his own shower. And unfortunately, family, on the left side of the boat, it looks like you might be up in a little shower if you're on Watch out. Thank you. 